You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to the Advantage Connors podcast in association with Cloud 10 and iHeartRadio Networks. Jimmy and I are happy to start this journey with you as we take on topics ranging from sports, gambling, business, tech, and much, much more. We decided to do this podcast as a way to mix Jimmy's old school competitive nature with my new school fascination with gambling and all things tech, and hopefully bring them to a new audience. Plus, it's a great excuse to stay in touch with the old man. In kicking off the new season, we felt like we had to do something special. So we went out and got one of the most in-demand people in the world today. Mr. What's Next, Mr. NFT himself, Gary Vaynerchuk. But one more thing before we get to Gary V. We'd love your help in spreading the word about the podcast and our association with the new platform Cloud10 on iHeartRadio. So share the link with a buddy, a friend, or anyone out there who likes some of the stuff we've been talking about, or anyone who's just looking for a good time. And now, let's get to Gary V. Welcome to Advantage Connors. Over the past few months, we've dipped our toe into the NFT world and become quite addicted to say the least. So we thought we'd bring someone on who knows a thing or two about it to help educate our listeners. So why not go right to the source with the expert himself, Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary V. How are you today, sir? I am quite well, men. I, uh, I come on this show to educate, but to also uh, uncomfortably uh, compliment the senior Connors because the 1991 run is still something I think about randomly out of nowhere for no reason. So clearly it made a massive impact on me growing up and I enjoyed it very much. You know, so I was born in the Soviet Union. I moved to Queens when I was three, lived there for a couple of years and I mainly grew up in Edison, New Jersey. So your environment shapes you. And I think one of the things that always attracted me to your style and one of your rivals had a similar style, like I'm that kind of character too. Like I'm incredibly competitive and you know, when I'm in my game, especially in sports and business, when I'm competitive, I have more class, more graciousness. But in sports, my brain goes to one level up and, you know, the adrenaline, the competitiveness and kind of, you know, you know, this, that style is not the modern style. We, 
you know, we sometimes enjoy giving eighth place trophies these days. You know, I just literally, ironically, I don't really know my schedule. So I didn't realize I was doing this today per se. I knew we were going to do this. But to, this morning, I posted a piece of content on Instagram about being competitive and why it's, we need to find a new way to talk about it. Because if we demonize it, we're really leaving a lot of greatness on the table. I think the NFTs for me, is, there's a couple of ways to look at it. One, you know, I'm in business probably because I wasn't good enough to be an athlete. And I mean it. I think the closest things to each other that I see are business and sports because a lot of it ends up being based on merit. I would say that sports is even a cleaner version because with business, unfortunately, there's a lot of ways to, you know, play with the system, whereas you can't do that um, in sports, which is why I've always been attracted to sports. Um, I, the NFT thing is I have my career, you know, you had your two-handed backhand. I have my, I'm very, very, very good at knowing what people are going to get into before they even realize themselves that they're going to be into it. I'm a very good entrepreneur overall. I got a lot of solid disciplines. There's a lot of things that are good in, that's in my game. For some reason, I have a very strong intuition of the next trend slightly ahead of most humans on earth. And then I get very aggressive and go, go all in and put in the work and figure it out. And then I'm a very loud communicator of the new thing. I just think it's interesting. You know, you come from a tough part of the world, New York, and a lot of people who grew up there uh, come out of there a little jaded, a little rough around the edges. But I kind of like that you take a different approach and you're so positive. Yeah, it, it, it's, an, it's an interesting point, Brad. Um, it's kind of like, you know, everyone has different parents. Everyone has different circumstances. I definitely think I've taken a lot from my mother who is the greatest, you know, kind of like sweetest pie, most epic. Um, it's kind of like, you know, everyone has different parents. Everyone has different circumstances. I definitely think I've taken a lot from my mother who is the greatest. So, you know, yeah, if you could associate that with, you know, Jimmy, I think I've read some articles, like some in-depth articles. So I know that you, you, I don't know that I can't, they're a little hazy to me, which is I don't, why I don't bring it up, but I know mom was a big factor in your life as well. And, you know, for me, I view myself as a businessman from that byproduct. My mom had it even worse than me. The streets of New York, New Jersey in the eighties is one thing. The streets of Belarus, USSR, Soviet Union, 1960s. My mom loses her mom at five years old. Her dad goes to jail for 10 years because communism was absurd. Um, so she, I mean, talk about somebody you could never complain to. Like, you know, there was no breathing room for entitlement with my mom. And, uh, and she eliminated excuses. I was really good at tennis and baseball as a young kid before size and speed and athleticism mattered. But I have very good hand-eye coordination. To this day, I'm very tough to beat in things like darts or or ice bubble hockey or like ping pong. Like I'm very good at hand-eye coordination. And I had this big championship game in fourth grade in baseball. And I struck out in a big spot. And I get into the car crying. We're going home. And I, I try to like start coming up with excuses like the sun was in my eye or like my ankle hurt or so, who the hell knows what I was looking I was looking for an out because the accountability of a big miss 
at 10 years old just was too much because I was so, so intense and so bought in and so emotional about it. And she suffocated. She's like, Mm -hmm. none of those things are true. You just couldn't execute. And like, again, I'm a big byproduct of that. And I think my business style, this book, Brad, I think what you're picking up on is I think I'm going to be one of the greatest entrepreneurs of all time. I think that I'm going to build a meaningful empire. My companies are big already. And unlike sports, the one great thing about business is at 46, I'm in the beginning of the prime of my career, right? To one of the great advantages where your body's not the variable. And so I'm going to go on to do all those things. And, but I think you can do it with kindness. I really do. I think you can do it. I think you can motivate people more with honey than vinegar. I don't think you, I think you have to be very careful because you create overcoddled entitlement. And, you know, Jimmy ran through people like a hot knife and butter in his career that had a little cushier situation on the way up. I believe in that shit. But I also do believe that a, a single sport like tennis or even a small team sport is very different than running a, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 person organization. And even how you even get to two or three or four or 5,000, it's one-on-one uh, building real relationships. I am old school, but there's so much about the NFTs that I like uh, that, you know, that uh, uh, the art and, and you know, I, 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 I'm, in, I'm a gambler. I'm into gambling and I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm into uh, art, investing. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's so much that this is, is kind of, you know, taken me into a new era in my life also uh, that, that, that I like, you know, you know, so, you know, when Brett got me into it, when he said, you're coming on, I'm going, oh my God, <laughs> you, you know, well, you know, this, uh, you know, well, yeah. pull me in more. That's, that's what I'm looking for. Well, I think it's such an interesting time, like for, for us to get you right now, especially off your little CNBC thing that the last week, that was amazing. And I watched that like 50 times. Thank you. Yeah, for everybody who's listening, what Brett was referring to, it's an important moment. I went on CNBC. I think there was a lot of proper journalistic cynicism. It's a whole new thing, right? And by the way, I do believe that 98% back to gambling, Jimmy, and I, I, I have that gene too. I think it just comes along with the, you know, some of the, some of the good with the bad that comes along with the energy or the chemicals that come along with being our kind of craft. Um, I do think 98% of the projects are going to zero. And when I say zero, it doesn't mean dead zero, but like if you pay 6,000 for something and now it's trading for $89, that's essentially zero. And so I, I think that, um, I think that people need to be cautious. For everybody who's listening, a couple things. Let's do a little NFT 101. Number one, 30, 40, 50 hours of homework. I mean it. This is too big. This is like learning about the internet in 1994. Even if you're listening right now and you're into tennis or you are in, or you own a hair salon or you're a stay-at-home dad or mom, it's still going to affect your life for the next 50, 60, 70 years. So really, really, really start to understand it and do what I did a year and a half ago. You know, just Google what is an NFT? Just Google NFT 101. Go to YouTube and type in NFT 101. What is it? NFT? How do I buy an NFT? What is Ethereum? Like, it's all the basic knowledge. But here's what it really is. And this is the point I made on CNBC, even in the face of the hostility in a short live TV clip. The same reason that people buy Nike sneakers and Prada bags and want to live in Beverly Hills and drive Mercedes, the number one way humans on earth communicate is through what they buy. 
I believe that NFTs will be a major representation of that. Number two, when, when I go to the US Open in 10 years, my ticket is going to be an NFT. And I'll tell you why. And I'll make it very contextual. I have a funny feeling that I can go on eBay right now, type in Jimmy Connors 1991 and see people that are selling ticket stubs, maybe with a program, maybe you signed it on your way out, like players do. And that, because people collect things, like I literally couldn't wait. Notice, I, I, I thought I was gonna wait and I had to say in the first second, because that meant something to me, that run. And things happen all the time at concerts. I, bet the, do, do, I don't think people understand how many concert tickets, how many sporting events tickets, stubs, stubs are being sold on eBay every day because nostalgia. So I think the utility of an NFT representing a ticket later becoming a collectible that you could sell. You have to understand, if, if I buy a 1991 ticket stub of Jimmy Connors' great run for 180 bucks, the US Open, the USTA, the Jimmy Connors, none of those people would make money on that. eBay would make money, and the person that had the ticket stub saved would make money. But if it was an NFT, the contract would say that Jimmy Connors and the USTA or the US Open, they would share 10% royalties. That's a game changer, and that's in perpetuity. And the same for Jackson Pollock. When the Andy, when an Andy Warhol sells next, I bought one actually. I bought it. I had my B friends art sell at a Christie's auction uh, back in the fall of last year. Big event for me. The original art for my project. Really fun event for me. And you know, it, my five pieces went for a million dollars. It was stunning. And the next piece was an Andy Warhol dollar sign sketch. And I said, you know, wouldn't this be so apropos if I bought this? So off the high, because I was in the San Diego airport because I had to give a keynote. So I was watching it live on Christie's site. The next thing comes up and I bid on it and I buy it. But Andy Warhol's family is not making a single dollar on that. And so the blockchain for royalties in perpetuity is going to change the world. Music, publishing, art, collectibles, all of it. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, you know I, I, I'm I'm grabbing on and I'm and, and I'm, I'm holding on to the string as you're pulling me in, you know and 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 the the reason uh, that is because uh, you know with Brett who has gotten me into this uh, uh, woman's rise, uh, and and we we talked about this and and for 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 a number of weeks or, or months. Uh, you know, it came out with its uh, with with its drop, yeah, with, with its with its number, and it almost went unsold. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah, right. Yeah. I watched it. Yeah, yeah. I bought a couple. I, I met the founder and bought a couple, and I was watching it. I it was just kind of staying stagnant, and then yeah, yeah, and, and then all. So so my my point is, why all of a sudden did that catch on? What what makes? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what happened there. So one of the great advantages I have is I've been collecting trading cards, comic books, toys, video games for the last 40 years. So I have so much history, so much pattern recognition. What happened with that, my friend, was World of Women was really the leading project in the, in the female-centric 10,000-piece NFT space. And it was doing solid and it was kind of like the leader. And then Guy Oseri, the incredible big power agent in Hollywood who was U2 and Madonna's agent who earlier in the year started to represent Board Ape Yacht Club announced that he was repping World of Women. And what, what really is required 
and why vFriends does well is the leaders of these projects need to develop the demand over the next 50 years. They need to develop the characters. They need to develop the cultural demand. They need to create the demand. And I believe the market reacted to their belief that Guy Oseri has a long career of creating demand, has a ton of relationships. And so, and then not to mention the world of women team has done a remarkable job themselves prior to that signing. And you had a perfect storm where world of women three tripled in value overnight, three to five X. It got out of reach because they went up to eight, nine, 10 Ethereum. These are big numbers. Most people can't afford to spend $30,000 on an NFT, just like the high-end art scene. You know, so what happened was people started looking at all the other really great female projects. You saw a big pump for flower girls. You saw, you know, other great projects, World uh, Women and Weapons, Sarah Bauman, great artist, and uh, Women on the Rise and, and many others felt the full lift. We had, we had the kind of era, the little bubble, the little boost of a six to eight week hyper-focus in the market on female-centric projects. And I think that's wonderful. And, you know, one of the reasons I'm buying photography NFTs right now is I think the photography NFT space will have a similar thing. We've seen it with earn to play games. And again, for everybody who's listening right now, who's like, what is he saying? Rewind this, hear earn to play, Google earned play NFT, spend six hours. You know, everybody just wants you to tell them a tip. It's like a hot stock, buy this. That's how you lose money. The way you make money is by actually doing homework, right? I'll give you an example, Jimmy. I, I, I stopped gambling in my early 30s. I, I just got to a place where I couldn't win enough to get excited, but I could lose enough to be upset. But, but in my youth, in my early 20s, I played fantasy baseball very aggressively, very. And so I would study baseball players, all of them, for 40, 50 hours before my draft and I would follow week by week. My great passion in sports is football and basketball but I didn't play fantasy football and basketball. So I was a hyper fan, but not as educated. I would lose in my 23, 24, 25 years when I would gamble on sports, I would lose all my money on basketball and football. And I would make all my money on baseball because I knew that this third pitcher in the rotation was really strong and was underestimated by the money line. Even though it was gambling, I was quote unquote making more money on baseball than other sports that I even enjoyed more. Similar with NFT land. If you actually put in the homework, you'll be more likely to buy projects that do well versus, and I want everybody who's listening to hear this, the majority of projects that you'll spend four to $500 on an NFT and it will never go up. Well, it seems like uh, I've gotten into it. I have some uh, 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 Women's Rise, Flower Girls. I love Flower Girls. Um, uh, I got a uh, brain vomit. I saw you get me into that. I think that guy, I think that that's eventually going to explode with the smaller you know, smaller. Yeah. What he's, what, whatever, what he's talking about is there's a, I think, what is it? 4,000 yeah, like versus the normal 10,000. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think, I think supply and demand matters. He's, his supply is half. He needs to, it becomes a game of demand. People are like, Hey Gary, why is brain vomit not 10 times more valuable? There's only, or at least two times more valuable. There's only 4,000. I'm like, well, Steve has to create more demand and he will, I believe in him. Uh, creatures I'm obsessed with Danny Cole, like, Think, but but it doesn't matter how many you make. I mean, you can make one NFT and it might not sell if you can't create demand. Yeah. 
Another one I like is uh, Psychedelics Anonymous. Are you into that mm, one at I've all? Seen, I, I, I haven't looked in, I haven't done any homework. I've seen the tweets about it, but I haven't, I haven't done any homework yet. I like, uh, it's kind of like a game theory where it like has like, you mm-hmm. know, elements of that. So I think it seems like the utility is what's going to be important to show you the projects that are going to last and have staying power, you know, as opposed to just, that, you know, it's yeah. a nice picture or it's a trend or it's hype. Yeah. Listen, people get into beanie babies. They go up and down. Uh, millions and trillions of dollars have been spent on just art, which is very appropriate. Like, pe- But to your point, when people start understanding that NFTs are visual, but also have a smart contract, which allows for utility. I think the world will flip over the next decade to art and collectible first with a hint of utility to utility with a hint of collectability. The NFT will represent your ski lift tickets, but then maybe they commissioned an artist who five years later got hot and now it's a collectible. Got it? The NFT will represent your tickets to Roland Garros and maybe that's the day that one of the big three break gets to 25 majors and then that becomes a collectible item. Your NFT will represent your airline ticket and maybe they commissioned a 13-year-old uh, artist from, from Uganda because that's the mission the airline's on to bring awareness to it. But that girl 20 years later goes on to become one of the most famous contemporary artists and all of a sudden everybody's buying up her original NFT from 20 years ago and it went from being worth $3, literally $3, because that's what the market's going to eventually get to, to now it's worth $1,700 a piece because, oh my God, it's her. So I think you're going to see a lot of that. Is that, is that timing? Yes. You got it, Jimmy. The, the, what I'm doing right now is communicating like I did in 1994, five and six about the internet. But all the things I said to all my grown-up friends back then took five years, took three years, took seven years, and you couldn't have said it better. It's timing. And everything has timing. Back to, back to sports, the 1982 NBA Finals was on tape delay in America. It was on tape delay, right? Like, like NBA hadn't had its moment yet. Magic and Bird were just starting to do the thing. Jordan was a couple years away, and now here we are, and basketball is a is must-see viewing for most mm-hmm. kids. I think also, just one thing quick, is Go. the clothing element of it. It's like I have a couple of these smiles, you know, like the little, uh, yep. they're great. Um, they're starting to take off, but they did like the collab with the hundreds. So, you know, they do these collabs and, you know, I, I think... I, I think a lot of this stuff, Brett, the way to think about that, for all the people that are more 101 and know where Brett's going, the collabs, I mean, I have, I have a ton of apparel coming with me, friends. The collabs, the cartoons the games, the conferences, they're all going to be commoditized. Every project's going to do it. There's not going to be a single project in NFT land that's not going to do hats. That's not going to do hoodies. That's not going to do sneakers. There's not going to be a single meaningful NFT project that's not going to want to do toys. There's not going to be a single NFT project that's not going to want to do trading cards, to want to do music, to want to... So for me, one of the things that I want to make a call out for you two is play to earn or hoodies is a cost of entry. And right now I see a lot of investors saying, oh shit, they're doing that. That's going to be the moat. That's why this is going to pop. And I'm trying to get a lot of people educated. In the beginning, when something's new, it may feel like somebody doing something for the first time is the reason. It's not. The reason is 
And this is why I'm so confident about vFriends. vFriends is gonna win because I'm talented enough to make vFriends as big as Transformers. Like I'm trying to be as big as Disney over the next 40 years. If I'm able to do that, well then it's gonna really work. But every project's gonna do everything because they're all, that's the right thing to do. But I wanna remind people, a lot of cartoons didn't end up being G.I. Joe and Transformers and My Little Ponies. There was a lot of things that didn't work. And, it, it, you know, again, I like tying things contextually. I, I do follow tennis, as maybe you can tell. You know this, Jimmy. A lot of the kids, look at Andy Roddick's career. He was not the number one kid coming up. Like, what looks like it's going to be okay doesn't always transpire to actually. The number one amateurs oftentimes isn't the one that wins the most grand slams because things evolve. Things evolve. Things change. The context changes. And so, you know, Brett, one thing to watch out for is you need to bet on the jockey. Like the way I'm making all my bets is, do I believe this artist or this founder is A, committed for the next decade, not a quick dollar right now. B, is she or he talented enough to navigate the choppy waters? When the shit hits the fan, are they going to fold like a cheap chair and go work at Citibank? Or are they going to grind it out and get on the other side? Well, this is the problem that I've run into a little bit because I have your similar uh, view on how to collect. I don't really want to flip. I don't enjoy the flip that much. I, I want to target things I like, mm -hmm. put them in my wallet and keep them for three, four, five years. You know, like planting yes. seeds almost like, you know. Yes, smart. But, but like that. doing that, it's expensive, you know. So it's very expensive. So how do you manage, so you, do, you know. Yeah. The way I tell a lot of my friends who want to do the same, I'm like, go 50-50 then. Day trade with 50%, hold with 50%, right? And then I tell them and anticipate only 10% of your 50% you're holding doing well. So, But what's good about being in early, internet stocks, 99. They all collapsed. But Amazon didn't, and it was $9 a share. So how do you, how do you pick that? How do you pick the 50 for In my opinion, it's in that scenario you would have watched all the Jeff Bezos interviews on CNBC. You would have tried to go and meet with Jeff Bezos if you could. Because what's crazy now is with a lot of these NFT projects right now, like me saying go meet Jeff Bezos right now sounds insane. But you would be stunned how available Jeff Bezos was in 1999. And oh, by the way, like this is now real life just for you two, obviously not for the listeners. I mean, Jeff Bezos would have met Jimmy Connors in two minutes in 1999. In two minutes. And so, you know, you look for a lot of different things, but you go to the conferences. One of the reasons I go to NFT NYC or go to like all the conference, now that COVID hopefully is somewhat behind us or we're getting more used to dealing with it. You know, I want to go. I'll give you one, the Hearts Project. I ran into the kid that's running the Hearts Project at a Snoop Dogg Super Bowl event this weekend. And now I'm considering buying the Hearts Project a hell of a lot more than I did a week ago. Yeah, personal contact. Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Right. Like, how do you make a decision on somebody? You spend a couple of minutes, you go with your, your intuition, you go with your street smarts. Is this a quality person? Is or that, not? is it a small community though, Gary? Uh, you know, it's small enough right now. Jimmy. Yes. But, but we've only got another year of the Kumbaya. Everybody will meet with everybody. Half the people will reply to a DM and get on zoom together. They all, these things get too big and that that community goes away, but we're still fully in it right now. That's actually one, uh, you know, when, when Brett got me into this and, and I started, you know, looking and, and uh, you know, uh, some of the uh, NFTs that he, that he got himself and then just looking at it myself, it's, it's almost like a community. You know, you, you make, 
you, you make friends, you know, that way. And, you know, coming up, uh, you know, playing the tennis, I've got a few friends out of the tennis, you know, after after spending, you know, 30 years in it, you yeah. know, but, you know, I, I've made more, you know, probably more friends off of, you know, uh, my NFT con, you know, contacts. That... It, make, it, it, it makes sense, Jimmy. It's not a slight on tennis. It's when you find a new revolution in the earliest days, everybody's in it together. You look at the people that were in hip hop music in 1984, five, six, they're all still lifelong friends. They were just in the trenches together. You feel like you're a part of something. We have half the world telling us right now that NFTs are scams. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at the way I was treated on CNBC. That was nothing short of condescending. By the right? way. And I wasn't even. By the yeah, way, the ahead. smirk was great. <laughs> was it <the> great? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. It was mainly because I know I'm on the right side of history. And to be frank, I have no ill will towards the journalist. As in fact, I'm grateful for the journalist because I think she's doing her actual job of trying to show the other side of the conversation. So you can imagine when half the world doesn't get it or 90% doesn't get it and half thinks it's a scam. It's a scam. Of course, we're all sticking together. And I think that makes perfect sense to me. I was in the wine business my whole career and I made more friends in Web 2.0 social media in the first year that are my lifelong friends that I did my entire career of wine because wine was a mature state. Maybe if I grew up in the wine industry that Robert Mondavi built when we were trying to get American wine on the map, and that's what always happens in these special times. Uh, thank, thank you, first of all, for, for being with us today and spending time. But, you know, I, I've got a, a garage full of, of things that, you know, that, that I have over the course of my career from rackets to shoes. And, you know, when, when uh, Brett was talking about the utilities and, and being a part of that, uh, to, to have that go along with, uh, you know, say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 70. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to, you know, get back into the 30 and 40 year old group with learning all this, you know, which is fun for me and spending time with Brett. But, you know, is that, is that something that can, you know, be a part of, you know, NFTs and, you know, when, when I tell you iconic legends like yourself who are sitting with warehouses, basements, attics, and garages full of stuff, that I believe NFTs is going to be a windfall for them. Whether A, because I think this is coming, the NFTification of physical items, aka take 10,000, take 100 of those items, make NFTs put it in like a mercantile exchange warehouse that takes control of it and people are trading the NFT that represents the physical good and I might be the fourth person that buys it and gets your shoes from the 78 open and I actually want them so I call in the NFT and put it in my office. Or if you do an NFT project where if you buy these things, like if you two made a video and said, here are 1,700 random items from Jimmy's career. We're doing a, an NFT project, you're gonna mint, you're going to get a random NFT art. We got this artist. Da, da, da. But you're also going to go to this site, connect your wallet, prove that you own one, type in your address, and you will get one of these 1,700 items. I would buy 25 of those things. And I'm not saying that to be nice. I'm just saying it to educate everybody out there who musicians, actors, athletes, the icons of the last half century, if they actually have volume, and you can break volume into a lot of things. I mean, you may only have 16 rackets, but you might have, I mean, I don't know you, but some people are hoarders. You might have 2,000 wristbands. 
right? And if like, if you're fortunate, like, and this is now for everybody who's listening, if you're one of those people, like if you're a famous actor and you have all your scripts, I think there's just things people can do. It's going to be an amazing time of creativity. You've been great. Yeah. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Thanks for your time. Man. Bye, Appreciate Brett. it. Bye, Bye everyone. Later. Cheers.